Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a weather update from Drew Lerner with World Weather Inc. And up first in today's country comment, we'll have details from Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers' annual general meeting held this morning. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers held its annual general meeting virtually this morning. I got the details from Executive Director Daryl Dimitruk. You know, these annual general meetings are necessary. There's, uh, they're part of being a, a corporation in Manitoba. And uh, they're really all about, you know, getting necessary business done. And, and with that, we accomplished that. Um, but on, in addition, I think uh, we were able to relay some important developments in the ongoing program in Manitoba to improve uh, the fortunes of pulse and soybean growers. Uh, we had a couple of good questions posed by members. And um, so in addition to the business, I think uh, it, it, it also shed some light on uh, some of the opportunities and challenges that we have uh, for these crops in Manitoba. And um, you gave your executive director's report. Um, anything you wanted to to highlight out of that? You know, the like a lot of groups and a lot of businesses in in the in Canada, um, we've been rolling with the COVID nineteen punches and adapting programs as we go. And it was important for members, you know, to know and recognize that. And that's everything from our, uh, you know, from dealing with extension programs that were canceled and and research projects that were delayed. And and so, you know, we we, we think we're coming out of that now. Um, But I wanted to relay to members that despite all that, we've had great collaboration and great support from growers, from uh, research institutions and our partners in extension, you know, including the media. Um, and and with that collaboration, we're able to uh, push through some pretty good uh, research and extension programming, despite some of the limitations uh, as a result of the pandemic. And you also talked about uh, research and uh, production. Um, what's the latest there? Well, we're really um, uh, interested in, in ensuring that our members are aware of, of some of the some of our feature programs. Uh, primary among those is the uh, on-farm testing program, the on-farm network, as we call it. Um, it's had over 400 trials since 2012, so that so so the map is getting very busy with with trial locations, and all of those results are on the Manitoba Olson Soybean Growers website, and they're they're free to anyone to want who wants to uh, to access those. And so we discussed that. Our uh, regional variety trials are something that are always popular, and this year we had over 54 trials uh, across the province, and uh, the results go out in the uh, Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers Variety Guide, as well as in Seed Manitoba. And so, uh, you know, we recognize the important contribution that uh, Dennis Lang of Manitoba Agriculture makes to that program, and um, and the general collaboration we get from the seed industry. So those were two uh, features of, of the research and production program this year that we made sure that we mentioned during our remarks at the AGM. And how's this, uh, how's this upcoming year looking, you know, as far as um, soybeans and some of the different crops there? Uh, it's looking actually pretty good. Of course, um, the price uh, situation uh, is, is generally positive for, for most commodities right now. 
Uh, Pulse and soybeans are no exception to that. There's some 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 interesting prices to be had in the market right now. But um, two two other additional things. Number one is the pressure that maybe some other crops are under from high nitrogen prices is less of a factor when you're considering a, a, a legume like a, like a pea or or a soybean. Um, and um, in addition, we we have a, a bit of moisture recharge. It looks like, judging by the snowpack, and that's always positive for all crops. Um, you know, there's we've noticed that soybeans are susceptible to drought, so any um, any additional moisture will be positive for that crop. Um, so we are we we are always conservative on our estimates in terms of what we expect in terms of acreage, um, but we are uh, we're optimistic that that these these crops be it soybeans or or peas or even dry edible beans you know have a permanent home in manitoba and uh acreage will will uh, rise and fall with the market and with weather conditions but we think we've got a good core of of acreage that we uh, will continue to work to improve anything else daryl to highlight uh coming out of the meeting here today or I think we're just very appreciative of the support we've received from uh, members and from our board of directors uh, in the last couple of years. Between drought and and the pandemic, it's been it has been challenging to uh, to really um, do the things that that uh, these producer-led organizations uh, want to do. But again, with the support that we've received from our members and our board of directors. And, and all of our collaborators in, in research and extension, um, uh, we we think we can claim that, that 2021 was indeed a success. That was Daryl Dimitruk. He's the executive director with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The group held its annual general meeting this morning. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Elevated crop prices mean seeded acres of soybeans and canola are projected to climb in 2022, while corn acres are likely to come down because of the high cost of fertilizer. That according to J.P. Gervais, FCC's chief economist. The inputs that we use on the farm are quite expensive. Right, Some of the inflationary pressures that we have in the supply chain are definitely making their way up to the farm. Some of the, those constraints and challenges that we see in the supply chain are going to ease sometime later in 2022. But for the most part, we do expect that farm inputs are going to be really high in 2022. And so that creates questions around profitability, right? So growth income is going to be robust, but at the same time, on the expense side, this is going to be high. So I think it really highlights the need for farm operations focused on efficiencies and management. The latest FCC outlook for the grains, oil seeds, and pulses sector suggests prices will remain strong into 2022, due in part to the low national and global supply of, the, of these commodities amplified last year by the drought in Western Canada. And the chair for the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops says at this time, no decision has been made on if or how to rewrite a code to respond to the responsible grain consultation feedback. The group recently released the white paper, which gave an overview of the process. Jason Lenz says they've been holding engagement sessions. We've held three sessions to date. They were all basically the same sessions with a couple different panel members on each session, but the the presentation of the white paper was exactly the same. And and those sessions were really targeted towards those provincial grower organizations, as well as our national organizations. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire. 
for Wednesday, February 16th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from egg meteorologist Drew Lerner. The Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission held its Think Wheat webinar yesterday, featuring World Weather Inc. agri meteorologist Drew Lerner. He walked producers through what they can expect in the months ahead. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler took part in the presentation and brings us the highlights. The bottom line is we should feel good about our growing season coming up potentially, that we should get out of the mess that we're in. But a lot of patience is going to be necessary as we get started uh, into our growing season because we have so much dryness out there. And it looks like March and April are not going to be good months for us for fixing the problem that we have. Officially, the forecast for spring is exactly what I just told you. Uh, We are going to see improvements in April and May. Lerner talks about what we can expect moving forward from there. It looks like we get a good mix of weather across the prairies as a whole. Uh, There are some pockets of dryness around that's left over from March and uh, maybe April a little bit, but May comes along and fixes a lot of those moisture deficits. So even though it looks like it's not the best year in the world, I think you're going to find it's going to be okay once we get away from those early spring weeks. And I think there's going to be a lot of worry as we go into April and we look at the moisture profiles in parts of Alberta and Saskatchewan where it hasn't been raining. There's still going to be a lot of dryness, a lot of fear and concern. But I think as soon as we get into the latter part of April and especially in May, we'll start seeing this pattern breaking down, giving way as long as we go into the negative, as long as we stay in the negative phase of PDO. And uh, we also maybe can keep a little bit of La Nina around. We want the ridge of high pressure to be in over the U.S. central plains and maybe a part of the Western Corn Belt. If we can do that, the Canadian prairies are going to do all right, at least in the areas that are drought ridden right now. Summer, uh, I've got a lot of precipitation around. You'll notice in the southeast corner of uh, Manitoba that I do have a little bit of a drier bias there. That's because I'm a little concerned that the ridge down in the U.S. will end up poking its head up across the border and extend into parts of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. So there is still potential that will turn drier in those areas later in the summer, but those areas will most likely have a good spring, good late spring, and we'll see enough precipitation to carry the crops through the, the balance of the season. So it's, a, it's mostly a good thing. That's agrometeorologist Drew Lerner with World Weather, Inc., He was the key presenter yesterday during Sasquatch's ThinkWheat webinar. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. The Association of Equipment Manufacturers released its data for January. I got the details from Senior Vice President Kurt Blades. So for the last, you know, really last two years, we've been seeing a really solid tractor and combine market on, on both sides of both U.S. and Canada. Uh, in January, we saw, you know, maybe a slight reduction from month over month years. Uh, you know, if we look at where we were this time last year, we saw a, a a slight decrease, but we have to take into consideration that in 2021, January, we had record sales. So uh, in perspective, by being down, it's still a solid number. But across the board, it was kind of across all categories. Under 40 horsepower tractors continue to be a growth area. Uh, uh, over 100 horsepower tractors or you know, traditional roadside tractors have been, strong, have been strong. 
And and then you look at uh, articulated four-wheel drive. They're essentially flat with a small decrease in, uh, in self-propelled combines in the month of January. What about uh, Canada sales? What uh, did we see there? So Canada and U.S. tend to track each other pretty closely. Sometimes there'll be a month where Canadian sales are up and U.S. sales are down. Uh, so they try to tend to track each other pretty pretty closely. Uh, we kind of basically saw the same thing. We saw a little bit more strength in the uh, in the, the real cup tractors, 100 plus horsepower uh, tractors in Canada than we did in the in the United States, uh, where 100 plus horsepower tractors were up 26 percent for the month of January uh, versus this time last year, and articulated four wheel drive tractors in Canada were up 16 uh, over uh, close to 17 percent, uh, while also seeing just a little bit of a decrease in, in self propelled combines. But again, it's January. It's a, it's a small number to begin with. Um, I think we have to kind of put it in perspective of, you know, overall, we're still, you know, quite a bit above the five-year trend uh, for uh, tractor and combine sales on, on both sides of the border. Yeah, and Kurt, uh, just talk a bit more about uh, trends that we're starting to see. Yeah, so what, what we kind of started to see, really, you think back to even the summer of 2020 is when we started to see uh, the the tractor market just really started to heat up, specifically driven by the under 40 horsepower tractors, the small tractors. Um, not really necessarily an ag market, but, but driving a lot of sales. But then, you know, come uh, uh, fall of 2020 is really when we started to see this growth in, in row crop tractors. And that's really been continuing on since, since then. So, you know, the last six months, uh, we finished, uh, we finished the year strong. We finished the year, you know, above, above, you know, 10 to 20%, depending on the category. Uh, last year we, we finished up, but we're starting to see just a small amount of slowdown, uh, starting in December and then carrying over to, uh, to January. I think there's a lot of things that are, that are, uh, figuring into that, whether it is, uh, uh, you know, availability issues or, or, uh, you know, some of that demand being met because the other markets have been so hot. Uh, it could be, you know, the, um, you know, the used market strong, the, the, the new market strong, or it could just simply be that the, the costs that are associated with uh, with farming. There's a lot of question marks of whether or not those uh, those costs are going to continue uh, to be on the uptake. So farmers are optimistic, but they're taking a good look at their capital uh, purchases and just and 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 making smart decisions. That was Kurt Blades, a senior vice president at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, talking about their latest data from January. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Canola Growers is hosting its AGM tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. And the Manitoba Crop Alliance is hosting its annual general meeting tomorrow afternoon starting at 1. Both events will take place virtually. Farm Credit Canada is hosting the Future of Food Conference webinar February 22nd. Go to the FCC website. Manitoba Canola Growers is offering a webinar entitled Policy and Your Farm. February 23rd, go to the Manitoba Canola Growers website. Farm Credit Canada is presenting the Women Entrepreneur Summit in a virtual setting March 8th. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, the 2022 Seed Summit is underway this month. One of the presenters was Rob Hannum, President and Client Director with Synthesis Agri-Food Network. I think that farmers need a more competitive, lower-cost seed certification system to stay competitive with, with global competitors. You, you said clearly 
here's saving seed is this much. Here's I'm, I'm trying to get this much to sell the variety to my neighbors. You know, 80% of the time they're saving their seed, not buying your seed. So I've got two ideas, but my point, we need a lower cost seed certification system. Two ideas. One is drones. And you guys are like, what? So today we all know, you know, a seed inspector, it used to be an agriculture and agri-food Canada inspector. And then through the alternative service delivery, that changed to be a company that a seed grower hires. And it's, you know, I would say it's more competitively priced in an area where there's lots of seed growers. It's harder to get seed growers in Jonathan's area It's or seed inspectors. It's harder to get seed inspectors in Nick's area, I'm, I think. So um, we, we made changes, alternative service delivery, awesome. You know, big change happened quick. Um, what about drones? I was on a podcast last week. There's a company in Saskatoon called Precision AI. They're doing drones for spraying and they've got cameras that can identify weeds. They said on the podcast, their camera can pick out wild oats. Like, holy moly, we could go to the next level of efficiency and soon we could have drones. We all know the big plant breeding companies, they use drones for phenotypic analysis, right? They don't send a person out to look at their research trials. They fly drones across it every couple of days and they get more accurate phenotypic note-taking uh, with the varieties than they do when they used to hire a research technician who would walk and he or she would walk through the field, take notes on a clipboard or on an iPad. So they're using drones in plant breeding. They're going to be using drones in spraying. Why can't we use drones to do our seed crop inspection? Are the regulations written to, or not the regulations, the policies and standards, Circular 6 is a policy, uh, I think. Um, let's, let's make sure whatever revisions we make, we can adopt new technology, not stifle new technology, so that we can be more efficient. So there's, there's one. I've got a second idea, um, and, and here it is. It's about duplication. So if you've ever grown seed for a larger company, you know that there's two inspectors. There's like the company seed inspector, and there's also the, the inspector that's needed for the CSGA approval to get a crop certificate. We've got a duplication. That adds cost for Nick, the seed grower, or for Jonathan, the seed grower. And maybe that doesn't apply in your particular case. But I know lots of cases with seed grower, you know, friends and colleagues where the company inspector comes and then the, the CSGA, it's not a CSGA person, it's a seed inspector doing that CSGA approval. Why do we have two systems? That's duplicate. Um, the companies are doing it themselves because, you know, sometimes they have a higher standard, a higher quality standard than the actual regulations. Um, sometimes they're, and, and they're protecting their brand, right? The last thing a seed company wants to do is put out poor quality seed or weed seeds in their brand. So we've got duplication. Let's get rid of it. The, the way I would propose to do that is to um, accredit the companies to be able to do their own inspection. So just like Nick and his seed plant, he's accredited greater. He's an accredited to do his own seed inspection. He gets audited to make sure he's doing it right. Uh, there's, there's, like, there's samples that are collected to check his work, all that stuff. But that's a lower cost way to do it than, you know, if I go back 50 years or 30 years. When I was a kid, it was an Ag Canada employee that came to the farm to sample and then seal each bag of seed. Today, Nick's doing it because he's accredited to do it. Why don't we do the same thing? And why don't we accredit these? They've got a QA manual. 
accredit them to do their own inspection and check it. I think the farmer just wants, the farmer's buying the seed wants like quality seed. Everyone wants that. No one wants to sell it with their name on it. It's not quality. That was Rob Hannum with Synthesis Agri-Food Network speaking this month during the 2022 Seed Summit. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Crops recently released the white paper, which outlined the group's consultation process. Chair Jason Lenz talked about the path moving forward. We have two more broad engagement sessions coming up that are open to any farmer or, or any anyone across Canada, really, that, that is interested in, in hearing what's in the white paper and, and uh, you know, have a real good chance to ask some questions. Um, we've had uh, over 150 people through these first three sessions, and we expect a fairly broad or a large number for these next two as well. So we want to be as open and transparent and, and provide as many answers as we can. And, and the latest Farm Credit Canada outlook for the grains, oil, seeds, and pulses sector suggests prices will remain strong into 2022, due in part to the low national and global supply of these commodities amplified last year by the drought in Western Canada. Here's Chief Economist J.P. Gervais. 2021 was overall a positive year. I mean, we've had growth of farm cash receipts up by 12% almost at the national level. A lot of the crops that we grow in the prairies have actually seen an increase in gross income. When you look at 2022, I think more of the same. If you look at pricing right now, it is very, very positive. The demand for what we are going to grow in the next cycle looks to be really strong. There are a lot of different competing countries when it comes to our, you know, what we produce that are actually struggling on their own or having some of the challenges. And so the demand for what we're going to grow and what we have currently is very robust. He notes these elevated prices mean seeded acres of soybeans and canola are projected to climb in 2022, while corn acres are likely to come down because of the high cost of fertilizer. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details from Manitoba Canola Growers AGM. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.